You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. going on Reds fans welcome into the Locked on Reds podcast for this Tuesday on today's episode we welcome in C. Trent Rosecrans from the Athletic to talk about all things Reds offseason and what he's most looking forward to in this spring training we also get into a little bit about Nick Senzel, Trevor Bauer and Rysel Iglesias but before we do make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone for all kinds of reactions, questions, comments, whatever you've got. Send them my way at 513-549-0159. So let's jump into the interview with C. Trent. All right, for today's Locked On Reds, I have with me C. Trent Rosecrans. You know him as the beat reporter from The Athletic. I also know him as a really big Star Wars fan as well, and he's probably looking forward to the new Clone Wars release coming out in a couple of weeks. But, C. Trent, how you doing, man? I am happy to have you on. I just wanted to uh, talk to you, kind of, uh, I guess not wrap up the off season; it's still going on, but get your take on some of the things that have been going on, but... Of course, the first question would be, uh, and the the thing that's on everyone's mind, whether they think it's bad or not that bad, uh, what's up with Eugenio Suarez, and what are you hearing around the um, around the good old clubhouse? Well, I'm not in the clubhouse, so it's hard to hear that. But um, you know, just it's the everything everything I've heard, you've seen. It's shoulder. Um, did it in the pool at his home, and uh, we shall see. Uh, they, they expect him back early in the season. Um, I think that's being cautious. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's ruled out him being ready for opening day, but I also don't think anybody's expecting it. So, you know, it's not something that's supposed to linger through the season. Healing always is different for different people. Uh, he's had some really quick returns from injuries before, so uh, I think everybody's just hoping this is another one, but but uh, also preparing for what happens if it's not. The good news is the roster has quite a bit of flexibility with it, and they, they at least seem deep on paper. I know that they've come out and said that Nick Senzel's not going to play shortstop. Do you see there, there's like a high likelihood that he will play second if Suarez is not able to start opening day? I don't think so. Um, you know, here's a guy that they still want to get comfortable in uh, center field. They still see him as an outfielder. And if they see him as an outfielder, uh, it's a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of time out there. He could really probably really benefit from the time in spring training playing outfield and, and not going back to second base, which is a position he's played some, but again, not kind of his regular position so um to me it just seems to make the most sense to to do everything that you're planning on on usually but then 
kind of supplement that at second base, move Mustakas over to third, because here is a guy who could play second base for, for much of the spring and then still go to third without any issue because of, you know, he's played third base his whole career for the most part. Um, so you still like him to get some, a lot of reps at second base in, in, in spring training. Um, but I don't think it would bother him to go over to third once the season began. Um, and so that leaves you, you have a couple of guys who could play second base and who have played second base and Kyle Farmer and um, Josh Van Meter. That's not a terrible platoon right there uh, with those two and what they've done against lefties and righties respectively. I know Josh Van Meter was a guy that later on in 2019, we wanted to see get some more, more of a run at second base. So that will be interesting to see how he takes to that. Looking at, Sinzel. I thought it was interesting reading Keith Law's piece, looking at you know the Reds signing Mustakas and where he thought they might have been blocking Sinzel at second base, and kind of like you said, they they really see him more as an outfielder. How do they view? And I guess I'm gonna make this sound confusing. I hope I don't. I hope I don't make it sound confusing, but. How do you view what they view Nixon Zell after all these offseason moves? I, you know, I, I still think they believe in Nixon Zell as an offensive player and a guy who throughout his career could have offer some versatility um, and is a good enough athlete and a good enough, you know, baseball player to, to have that versatility. Um, I don't know if he's locked into a, a certain spot or not. But getting those, getting more reads in the outfield and getting more accustomed to that and, and, and going through everything that he can in spring training will help. But I, I think they see him as a, as a quality offensive player and an impact offensive player. And, and that's the number one thing. When it comes to Mustakis at second base, I, I read something the other day that said that the Reds, I think, were like the second most, uh, they use the second most defensive shifts. Do you think that that increases? Do you think that they're probably the top of the league with the way that they're going to set up their infield? I I would think so, especially because you know last year they had a guy at at shortstop who um, you didn't need to make up for, and, and Freddie Galvis is a guy who's a very good defensive shortstop. He just doesn't have the range of uh, of a Jose Iglesias. So I mean, Jose Iglesias's range allowed you to not have to. Um, uh, shift as much though they still did shift a lot so I, I, don't, I don't think we'll see any fewer shifts than we did a year ago that's for sure you mentioned Iglesias and Galvis and the defensive comparison I know that they came out with the outs above average this offseason the new defensive metric just wanted to get your take what do you think about that as a uh, way of measuring defensive statistics is from everything I've read, I mean, it has its merits and it's it's pretty good. Uh, I, 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 you know, I I haven't gone under the hood enough, or really even if I had to know what I was looking at. Um, but you know, I, I I think there are some reasons to be um, optimistic about Freddie Galvis defensively. And and when I talked to some people at the Reds, they said you know those the metrics that came out, the outs above average were kind of in tune with their internal um, metrics. And, you know, even Dick Williams said to me, he's like, you know, I, I, I was like everybody else. I saw what Jose Iglesias did and what he was able to do was just so eye popping. And I mean, he was obviously just a very, very 
is obviously a very, very good defensive shortstop. Um, but when you look at kind of the internal metrics and also this outs above average, the Freddie Galvis is, is really good too. Um, he has a different skill set, but he's still a very good defender and a sure-handed defender, which should be extremely, I mean, that goes hand in hand with the shifting. So when you're shifting like that, your number one thing is to make sure that when someone does get to, when the ball is hit to them, that they can, they can turn it into an out. Right. And, and, and that's one thing that, I mean, I like to think I have a pretty good grasp on most baseball statistics, but when it comes to fielding, I'm still really a novice at understanding all of that because, I mean, I'm to the point where it's like, okay, errors are a statistic that is almost completely contrived from the official scorekeeper, so we definitely need a deeper understanding of fielding, but I still don't quite grasp all of the, you know, the zone ratings and all that different stuff. So I, I like that they came out with outs above averages a little bit more understanding for me. Here in just a moment, we're going to talk about C-Trend's expectations for the season and get into a little bit of talk about some pitchers. But first, spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming. And if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams all within a 50-mile radius of greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona is known for its outdoor adventures and national parks, lots of great places to explore but when it comes to the game i mean spring training everyone is so laid back you can meet your favorite players get some autographs and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather if you're like me and you live in the tri-state area right now you're freezing your bunions off head out to arizona warm up and watch some reds baseball best way to do that visit arizona.com slash spring training go there and book your spring training excursion today when you look at this team and the moves with Mostakis and castellanos and obviously there's plenty of people that are super bullish on the reds especially those of us who are fans and close to the team and even some national types. Where do you fall? I, I kind of look at Keith Law as like the base of where everyone thinks the Reds could be. Where do you fall in between Keith and the super optimistic Reds fan? Probably somewhere in the middle. I would usually kind of fall in the middle of a lot of things when it comes to um, opinions. There, there's a lot of things that I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see how they, they pan out. There's still a lot of question marks. Um, but I think it is unarguable that they have made this team on paper better than last year's team. And I also think it's, it's pretty tough to argue that when you look around this division, that they are the one team on paper again, that has improved themselves and nobody else. I can, I don't think you can say that about any other team in the division. And so many of the games that this team will play will be inside the division and that helps as well when it comes to win totals. I mean, if, if your competition isn't as good, 
your you should have higher win totals. I, a couple more things before I let you go. I just wanted to look at uh, a couple of pitchers. One that's very interesting to me, and the other who I think he's been getting a little bit too maligned this offseason. But we'll start with Trevor Bauer at first. I, I've seen a lot of projection systems that almost have him as the best pitcher on the team, which everyone would think counterintuitive with Castillo and Gray being the one and two. What What's your take on that? I mean, I know what we saw from Trevor Bauer is not probably the Trevor Bauer that will be in 2020, but I also know that 2018 – he was really, really good, and to expect him to do that is to expect Aristides Aquino to hit like he did in August all year. What What do you think about Trevor Bauer moving into this first full season as a Red? You know, he's an interesting guy. Um, he has such a reputation, and he's had it since, you know, his college days. When you do kind of go back and look at it, though, I mean, he's really, I mean, if He's only had one season where he's had a sub four ERA, um, and, and he was really good that year in 2018, um, and and he's been good before 2016, 2017. He's been pretty good, uh, but 2018 is the one where he has just been exceptional, um, and that's the guy that the Reds traded for, and and he was actually you know he had good numbers before. He came over to um, the Reds this season. He was well on his way that year. Uh, he was had a three seven nine and twenty four starts, and then was just, you know, really struggled in Cincinnati. Um, we we'll see. I I believe it, the bottom line is I I believe in stuff, and this guy has stuff, and the other parts of it are things I think that uh, should be aided uh, by Derek Johnson. I know. Trevor Bauer is a willing student, and that is uh, a big part of it as well. And I will be interested to see what those two, given a spring training and kind of that whole setup uh, to learn each other and to get to know each other and what they've probably done even this this offseason together. I think that'll be interesting to watch. And that's, that's a pretty good combination because, because the stuff is still really there with Trevor Bauer. And I think that's why you see those projections. And then the other guy that I was looking at, because I think Reds fans really took to his mindset and wanted to attack the fact that he didn't seem as, um, I'm looking for the word, as uh, pliable, maybe. As, uh, yeah, we'll go with pliable. I can't think of the word. I got a block. Um, to what David Bell was wanting to do with him out of the bullpen, and that is our Rice Iglesias. And everyone was trying to, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of takes, and of course Twitter is Twitter, but I'm seeing a lot of takes of like, all right, it's time to give the closer job to Lorenzen or Amir Garrett or something like that. But I saw some encouraging signs when you look at the numbers, his strikeout percentage, and the fact that his walk percentage is pretty low. What do you think about Rice Iglesias coming into this season? It's kind of the same argument we just had. Um, this is a guy... When in doubt, I believe in stuff, and he's got great stuff. I don't see him not being the closer unless he just goes out and is terrible. Right. Uh, this is still his job, and it will be his job. What will be interesting is the um, 
evolution of David Bell's feeling on the closer job. You know, I remember early last spring, it may have been our first one this year, uh, last spring when we asked, you know, is Rysel Iglesias the closer? And he says, well, I don't know that there is a closer, you know. And so, and he kind of, it's one of those things that you can believe a lot of things until, you know, you see, until you, till you're forced to adjust. And, and a lot of things work one way um, in theory and don't work as well in, in, in um, practically. So that is maybe one of those. And I think that is an, that is was throughout the year an evolving relationship and maybe something that they can work on and there being some more, I don't know, a better understanding can lead to better results on the field. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for. I, I really want to see, I mean, obviously it's impossible to predict the mindset and stuff, but it's something that David Bell, I think, Maybe he kind of learned on the fly last year, and he's starting to say it in interviews that I've read. It's like he he's saying that it's important for the players to know their role. And I know that early on last year he kind of preached the whole, their, you know, closer, you know, whatever. And I think for all intents and purposes, it's kind of goofy to, you know, almost put this dude on a pedestal, the guy who finishes the game. But at the same token, like he mentions, a player likes to know what his role is going to be at the beginning of the day. Um, looking at this team as a whole, who is the most excited to, and, and even including some of the non-roster invitees and the new guys and all this other stuff, heading into spring training, who's the one guy that you're looking most forward to watch? Uh it's Shogo Akiyama, just because there's so much unknown. Um, you don't usually see a guy with that much track record and still not have any real track record. So um, I also I've always, for, for many years since um, I lived in Japan, I've been really interested in Japanese baseball. So that's probably a big part of it. And I'm excited to uh, kind of see him up close and see what he can do and uh just for for a myriad reasons see trent i thank you so much for your time man and uh, we'll have you on again soon uh, no problem thanks for having me that's going to do it for us here on this tuesday thank you so much for listening to today's episode on tomorrow's episode going to do a little bit deeper dive into the non-roster invitees take a look at some guys who might challenge for the very few roster spots remaining also some jib-jab with Joey. I know I usually do that on Tuesday, but I got the chance to talk to C. Trent on a Monday, and I wanted to have that interview for you today. So thanks again for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. If you have not already done so, hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Carr with three Fs, or at Locked On Reds, or and Locked On You know, follow both of them. Also, Check out LockedOnReds.com, the blog, for even more content. Thanks again for listening. My name is Jeff Carr, and I'm going to talk to you all tomorrow.